0: Hey guys, so as you can see, this is the second episode for this week. The first episode, the NFC South preview, is in your feed at the same time as this one. That one was recorded before this one, so you might want to check that out. We had a great guest, and that was a lot of fun to do that show. But this show, the NFC West preview, will be a solo one. I'll have my bold take on today's show. This will be my eighth bold take of the offseason, and then I'll be previewing the NFC West, all four teams in that division for fantasy football in 2021. So this should be fun. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to another edition of the Second and Bold Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with you, as always. And in today's show, after I give my bold take, I'll preview the NFC West for fantasy football. In 2021, three questions per team, as usual. The Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco 49ers, and Seattle Seahawks will be the teams previewed on today's show. And I'll also have a bold take. So that should be a lot of fun. So I guess let's jump into it. There's no news for today. To discuss, uh, you can. Th- we discussed some news on the other NFC South show if you want to go hear that. Um, again, go check that out. But uh, yeah, I guess we can just jump right into my bold take. This is going to be bold take number eight for the offseason. And I've been, I guess, hinting that I'm going to do this one for a few weeks, but we've got it finally. It's the Devontae Smith bold take. Devontae Smith will be a top 30 fantasy receiver this year, currently the wide receiver 38 on Fantasy Pros. And it's really, really mind-boggling to me because the Jalen Hurts is not going to have a lot of guys to rely on in Philadelphia. Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, the two tight ends there, are going to be good for underneath options, but we don't they don't really have like an outside guy, or at least they didn't last year, who could do anything, which caused Carson Wentz to struggle, which caused Jalen Hurts to struggle, at least in the passing game. Enter Devontae Smith. First wide receiver in 29 years to win the Heisman Trophy. 23 touchdowns against SEC defenses. And he's just all around an incredible athlete. Great route runner. Very skinny. Only about 170 pounds. But even so, he has held up quite well. Hasn't missed a game in the last two years despite playing against SEC competition. Only missed two games due to injury in his entire college career. Devontae Smith is durable. Contrary to popular belief, contrary to what people like to think, oh, his weight will mean he can't handle himself in the NFL. First of all, I'd say he's already proven he's an outlier by winning the Heisman as a wide receiver for the first time in 29 years. But beyond that, he already did it. In the SEC, he stayed healthy. It's not like he was hurt. He had that finger injury in the championship game. He missed a couple games due to some other minor stuff early in his college career, but this isn't a guy that's really getting hurt often, more often than the average wide receiver. So I'm not concerned with his health and. If you're not concerned with his health, you should be expecting a massive target share for Devontae Smith in year one because when he was on the field, he was excellent. And Jalen Hurts doesn't have anyone else to throw to on the outside. Devontae Smith is a great route runner. He will get open. He will catch the ball. He has hands. He has speed. He's just a classic wide receiver. There's nothing really wrong with him other than his size. And so... I really don't see a scenario where he's not successful unless of course he gets hurt, but I'm not, I'm saying that's not particularly likely in my eyes based on what we've seen in his college career. I don't think he's particularly likely to get hurt compared to like a normal wide receiver. So I have him as my wide receiver, 27, super, super hyped for next year for Devonte Smith. And yeah, I mean, I think he could definitely rise into that wide receiver two range and um, yeah, he's, Got a lot of potential. Really like these rookie receivers, Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith. That is going to be a good duo, and I have them on my SFB team, and I'm really, 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 really really um, excited for them next year. All right, let's hop into some NFC West. We got the Arizona Cardinals to start off. Let's talk backfield of the Arizona Cardinals. What will this backfield look like? That's the question, and I have your answer. And if you're a Chase Edmonds fan, you might not like it. But Chase Edmonds is not the guy to draft to this backfield. You could argue that there isn't a guy to draft in this backfield. That is definitely a fair argument to make. But Chase Edmonds is currently my RB 34 in my rankings. James Connor is currently my RB 36. This is, I basically view these two as exactly the same for fantasy football because Connor will get the majority of the carries and the goal line work, but Chase Edmonds will get the majority of the receptions. And this is sort of going to balance out to where it'll be an even split. I think maybe Connor gets the slight edge. So I may adjust these rankings, but Chase Edmonds at RB 34, I am avoiding. James Conner at RB36 is the better value. That much is true because Chase Edmonds is currently the RB26 on Fantasy Pros, ahead of guys like Javante Williams, Damian Harris, Raheem Mostert. And it just doesn't make sense at all to me because none of— Chase Edmonds does not have the prowess of an inside runner like these other guys do. Chase Edmonds, one carry inside the five-yard line his entire career. He is a pass-catching back. He is not built to be a workhorse. Javante, Damian Harris, Raheem Mostert, they— have they can run the ball inside, and two of those guys will have a very good opportunity to start. I mean, all three of them will, but um, and they all can run the ball inside better than Chase Edmonds. So, yeah, I have Chase Edmonds eight spots lower than his consensus. James Connor at RB36, not a terrible value, I would say. At RB38 on Fantasy Pros, I'd be okay with getting him later. You're just gonna have to recognize that his upside is gonna be capped week to week because he's not gonna be getting the same passing workload. Because Chase Edmonds is an excellent pass catcher, don't get me wrong. But between the tackles, it's hard to trust. And uh, that's why he is where he is in my rankings. Um, all right. So, yeah, let's move on. Next question for the Cardinals. How high should you draft DeAndre Hopkins? And I think, first of all, I want to make clear that DeAndre Hopkins is definitely a wide receiver one for fantasy football. I really like DeAndre Hopkins. He gets a massive target share. But – it's more about the guys ahead of him. For me, that's why I have Nuke ranked as my wide receiver seven. First, I just do want to say that while his target share was consistent, he did have a few games where he slightly disappointed you in terms of like he didn't catch them very many passes because he's sort of like sometimes the deep balls just didn't go his way. But I mean, that'll happen with most receivers. So I'm not too concerned. DeAndre Hopkins at my wide receiver seven. But the guys ahead of him, I think we can agree that Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, Uh, should be easily ahead of him. Stephon Diggs had such a great breakout season last year. An incredible route runner gets open, and he has Josh Allen with him. Stephon Diggs proved that he can exceed Nuke Hopkins. Calvin Ridley, same thing. With Julio out last year, he produced like an elite wide receiver. A.J. Brown, same thing. He played on two torn-up knees and still was incredible with Ryan Tannehill. He won't get the greatest target share ever because of Julio Jones, but he'll make up for inefficiency. He always has. And then Justin Jefferson at wide receiver six. 1,400 yards in his rookie year despite barely playing the first two games. I would say that's enough to put him ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. So – where DeAndre Hopkins is currently going, I'm not taking it, partly because I don't take wide receivers early and partly because he's, like, the wide receiver 5 and I have him as the wide receiver 7. But he is going to be very, very good, and he will help your team a lot if you do have him. So it's not like DeAndre Hopkins is bad, but I just – I don't see the – I mean, I, I Kyler Murray had such a good season last year, and DeAndre Hopkins, like, because he wasn't as – quite as insane, it's just hard to um, – I feel like last year was probably his ceiling, and while he can perform close to that, it's uh it wasn't wide receiver one production, so he's down at wide receiver seven. All right, so last question for the Cardinals. Are there any other options at receiver here other than DeAndre Hopkins that you should be considering? I would say yes, but, I mean, it's pretty limited. The Cardinals' is wide receiver two job, really up for grabs now between Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, and Rondale Moore. If you want to take a chance on someone, I would take a chance on Moore. I mean, he was their second-round pick this year, and, I mean, he had, he's really, really fast, uh, as you know if you watched his college film. So he does have the unknown upside potential that I think we know what A.J. Green and Christian Kirk are. Uh, so if you want to take Rondale Moore at the end of your draft— I would say that's solid, but I mean he's not really a guy that I'm looking to like, especially target at this point because, um, I mean, he he's he he is still not the most he's not like the most complete wide receiver he is fast but he doesn't really he's not as like he's not as physical as some of the guys in his class this this class for sure and he could be really good but like the unknown upside also comes with unknown downside and I mean he was a second rounder so not a bulletproof prospect by any means uh let's move on to the Los Angeles Rams first question here how does Matthew Stafford change the dynamic of this offense and Matthew Stafford changes the dynamic. I would say Matthew Stafford definitely changes the dynamic of this offense, and he changes it for the better. I'm super excited for the Raven or the rate Rams' offense Whoa, next year. uh, Cooper Cup is the top twenty receiver for me. Robert Woods isn't far behind at wide receiver twenty two. If I were to pick, and this is kind of moving into the ne- one of the next questions, if I were to pick between Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, I would take Cooper Cup because despite playing one last game last year, Cooper Cup out-targeted Robert Woods. He had more receiving yards and Cooper Cup is more of like a deep threat. So Matthew Stafford will allow the team to open up the offense a little more, get Cooper Cup, maybe some of those numbers that he had two years ago when he was like the wide receiver four and he was incredible. Um, So Robert Woods provides a safe floor and Robert Woods could be better than Cooper Cup, but I feel like that ranking like on fantasy pros, Robert Woods is ranked like five spots higher. I just don't Really understand that because Cooper Cup has higher upside, and I feel like he has nearly as good of a floor. So if it was not really a contest for me, I would take Cooper Cup over Robert Woods. Um, So I guess I kind of answered two questions in one. Overall, he makes this offense better. He will dump the ball off to the running back, uh, which may sound good for Daryl Henderson until you realize that Daryl Henderson isn't. Well, he's a good football player compared to the world, but I mean, not a starting NFL running back caliber guy. And he's had his chances to prove it. But Daryl Henderson is just not that explosive. He's okay as a pass catcher. He'll get some receptions. But I expect the Rams to sign this guy or sign another guy because with just Henderson, they're not going to really be able to have a consistent running game. That's why I have Henderson as my RB32. I think there's a good chance he gets benched for the end of the year by someone like like Adrian Peterson. If Peterson signs here, I might actually like – pick him over Daryl Henderson in a fantasy draft just because Peterson is still good and so it's just he's not really Henderson just isn't that like he he's not explo- that explosive he's not he's not a Cam Akers he's not the guy that they're going to be able to center this offense around by any means and so yeah that's why I mean I am avoiding Daryl Henderson this year San Francisco 49ers let's talk about them next is Trey Lance worth a late round flyer i would say yes he is if i mean he's it depends on what your definition of worth a late round flyer is because he's my quarterback 22 and um because i think he's only going to play part of the season i may end up adjusting that a little bit but i think only in the late rounds of your drafts if you're it depends on what you're going after at quarterback maybe if you draft an elite qb Like I I wouldn't necessarily recommend that, but if you draft an elite quarterback who is going to put up points for you week in and week out, then maybe you can draft Trey Lance as a high upside pick for later. But you don't want to draft Trey Lance with a guy like Jalen Hurts, because then you've just got two guys who might not work out, and then those picks that you spent on quarterback are just being set on fire. And although they are late ones, then you're just going to—I mean, it's going to be useless, and you'll have to turn to the streaming game for a lot of weeks because— those two guys are high upside high risk types of players so pairing Trey Lance with a guy like Dak Dak Prescott maybe or Justin Herbert that would be a good strategy but i'm again i'm not drafting those guys because i wait on quarterbacks it just quarterback drafting a quarterback early and you've heard me say this countless times it leaves other holes in your team you can't get you can't get the um the same amount of depth that you can, if you wait on it, and if you wait on the position, there are always gold mines and gems late in the late rounds. Pretty much every quarterback you see at the top was once a late-round quarterback selection. Patrick Mahomes, yes. Josh Allen, yes. Kyler Murray, yes. Lamar Jackson, yes. Um, And all of these guys were being hyped up, too. They're easy to pick. All these guys are being hyped up by the fantasy industry, um, by at least a lot of the fantasy industry, and they all broke out. So victory laps for everyone, but, like, quarterbacks— the, the breakout quarterbacks are becoming easier and easier to predict, so it makes sense to wait. Who should you draft from the San Francisco backfield? I might surprise people. This is a surprising episode, I think, with my answer of Raheem Mostert. Yes, I know Trey Sermon was a third-round pick. Yes, I know they traded a couple of fourth-rounders to move up to get him, but I don't see Trey Sermon having an immediate impact in year one. Mostert, as we know, is really fast and really, really, really efficient when he's on the field. Um, it's Kyle Shanahan likes to run a committee, uh, but with Jeff Wilson out, Raheem Mostert may really have a chance to capitalize on this backfield. 2020, five yards a carry for Raheem Mostert in an injury-riddled season. In 2019, 5.6 a carry. In 2018, he had 34 attempts, but 7.7 yards a carry. Those are like college numbers. Raheem Mostert will get you fantasy points on a limited amount of touches, and it's worth it if he stays healthy at the RB26, which is where I have him. Actually, RB20, I, I may, I may again, I may adjust that slightly. Uh, but I think around that, like, RB3 range, I mean, you should be happy having Raheem Mostert as your RB3. He's currently the RB29 on Fantasy Pros, So he does have somewhat of a draft price. But Trey Sermon at RB34 is not something I'm doing. I have Sermon as my RB42. Just don't see it. When Jeff Wilson comes back, it's going to be hard for him to take over. I don't see a rookie running back drafted in the third round taking this backfield over in year one. He could produce, but too much risk for me. Last question, how will the targets be divided up? This is interesting because we haven't really seen George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk all on the field at the same time. I think Kittle will be Kittle. We've seen, we've had some slight concerns with Kittle's target share in the past, but if he has a bad target game, he'll always bounce back, get you a touchdown. He'll find a way to produce. He's going to be great. The question here is between Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. And this is one of the most hotly debated topics you'll see on Twitter. Give me Brandon Ayuk. I'll take the consensus pick as my wide receiver 26. Ayuk. Talent, really, really talented prospect. First round pick. I think he's the more complete receiver. He can play off the line a little bit better than Debo can. Um, And Debo can get manufactured touches, but the gadget touches, the end arounds, those can vary from game to game. Sometimes you don't get them. Sometimes you do. Brandon Ayuk will be trustworthy. Wide receiver, 23 on Fantasy Pros. It's a little bit high for me, but not high enough to where I'm not ever taking him in a draft. So... I would be fine taking Iuke in a draft. Debo at wide receiver 36 on Fantasy Pros. I actually have him as my wide receiver 31. So my gap between these two is a little bit less. I don't mind taking either, but just with Debo, be mindful. I'm scared of Debo because he has injury risk, and then he has risk even when he's on the field. So Debo is a little bit scarier for me, but even Ayuke, I feel like his upside is a little bit capped. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, let's talk. Is Chris Carson underrated again? And Chris Carson has been underrated for several years now in fantasy. And I think this might be the year where he's finally not. RB16 on Fantasy Bros, as you might guess, I have him as my RB16. He is rated well. He's in that, he's behind the tier of like a CEH, a Najee, J.K. Dobbins. But he's ahead of the tier of like a David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, uh, Daryl Henderson, He obviously. Um, But yeah, I mean, he's... A good, tough runner, good pass catcher, not a not necessarily a plus athlete compared to others at his position. But he is a grinder and a tough guy, and he has not been worn down by production yet. So uh, he, he this should be a run first scheme in Seattle, at least if you're believing Pete Carroll, which I mean, you shouldn't totally. But he at least partly when he says run first, he at least partially means it, I would say. So Chris Carson properly rated this year. Finally, he used to be... Chris Carson would consistently be a back-end RB2 who would give you mid-tier RB2 or solid RB2 numbers over and over and over again. I think the days of that are gone. I think he'll give you those numbers, but now he's priced properly. Should you draft any Seahawks receiver? No. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Dwayne Eskridge, too inconsistent to trust. I have DK Metcalf as my fantasy football wide receiver 13. I have Tyler Lockett is my fantasy football wide receiver 33. Both those guys significantly lower than where they're ranked. And I have 100% confidence that both of them will finish higher than where I have them ranked. But unlike Chris, I'm just kidding. I I was going to say, unlike Chris... Uh, I'm not trying to win an accuracy contest here, and th- that's the only point of my rankings, but I was just kidding. Chris doesn't do that either. Chris will rank based on what he thinks. But I'm not trying to win an accuracy contest with these rankings, but I am trying to help you in your fantasy league because if Tyler Lockett does what he did last year, finishing as the wide receiver 13 in weeks 1 through 16 and getting you two top 24 fantasy weeks all season, you won't be happy you drafted him. I It's mind-boggling like, in the fantasy community, people were so soured on Tyler Lockett after last year, and he slowly is rising throughout the offseason. I've seen people changing their minds on Tyler Lockett, ignoring the evidence of he, him torching you last year. It just doesn't make sense. It's People like to look at the total fantasy points, but it's not going to happen that way because if you started Tyler Lockett for the entirety of the season last year you got two great top 24 weeks you got a bunch of mediocre weeks and you got a bunch uh, too many bad weeks for him to be your wide receiver too if you you probably were like most people and sat Tyler Lockett for some of those weeks you may have missed out on one of his explosive top 24 weeks and even if you missed one of them if you just missed that 45 point game that he had Tyler Lockett was a massive bust for your fantasy team and you were incredibly unhappy so you have to weigh into account that fantasy managers are not always going to be perfect at knowing who to start win. In fact, that's one of the hardest parts of fantasy football is figuring out who will start win. in best ball. Tyler Lockett is a much better option where you they in best ball. If you in case you don't know your lineup sets after the week with the highest scoring players. But in redraft in a regular league. No, do not. Gerald Everett is an option because Russell Wilson looks to the tight end. But again, he has that same upside cap and potential inconsistency to where I'm not willing to take him until later. Last question before we wrap up the show. Is Russell Wilson a good draft pick? And after my slander on the Seahawks, it might surprise you that I say yes. Russell Wilson will be good again. He has historically been a very efficient quarterback who throws for a lot of yards on not a ton of pass attempts where if even if this team has run first, Chris Carson leading the way, Russell Wilson can still get it done. He's got weapons and the efficiency at the quarterback position me in the weapons means that if he spreads the ball around, those weapons may be inconsistent, but he won't, he will get you fantasy points. He's a top 10 quarterback for next year. I have him as number 10, which is low, but it's just because there are nine guys that I really, really love next year. So Justin or Russell Wilson kind of slotted in at number 10 for me, but I don't mind him at all. I, the one thing with him is that his price is just a little bit earlier than where I normally will take quarterbacks. like. I do, I will check where Russell Wilson is currently ranked in the overall, but I mean, if it's like round six, that's not really where I will take a QB um, as I try to find where he is ranked. Jeez. Where is he? Um, Yeah. He's number 67. So right spot on at the 607. So uh, that guess was pretty much perfect. Yeah. I'm not taking Russell Wilson there just because I'm not taking like, even not even taking a guy like Ryan Tannehill there, obviously, cause I can get him later, but like, that's not where I'm taking a quarterback unless it's like Lamar or maybe Dak, but even though, even so, even if I see a value on quarterback, I will usually let someone else have it because the team build, when you take a quarterback early, it always comes back to this. I feel like on the show is it's not optimal, at least for me. All right. That's the end of the episode. If you liked the show, make sure to review the podcast, follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF the podcast at SGF pod. This was a fun show to do. I hope you guys enjoyed. We got two more shows for you next week. So make sure to tune in. Thank you for listening everyone, and we will see you next time.